Welcome to Respiratory HQ's Journey to Success podcast, the podcast specifically for RT students because you all are the future of the respiratory therapy profession, and not everything you need for success can be found in your textbooks. I'm Tanya Peel. I am so excited to be here to give you a little guidance and insight, a few tips, maybe a few tricks to help you be successful on your journey through respiratory therapy school. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back this week and glad you could be here as we continue working on our accountability series. So if you remember last week, if you listened to last week's podcast, we kind of talked about the difference between responsibility and accountability. And we talked about how responsibility was basically what you're charged to do, right? It's an and it's an action. It results in action. Um, and I shared with you what I think my responsibilities are as an educator. But we talked about how responsibility was very different from accountability. So responsibility is the action. Accountability is the answering for that action. And so I shared with you who I thought that I was accountable to. And we ended it by me wanting you to think about, as a student, what your responsibilities are and who you are accountable to. So hopefully you've done that a little bit because this week what I want to do is take that just a little bit deeper and talk about philosophies, okay? So when we talk about what a philosophy is. It is the work you do internally to understand what you believe, uh, to figure out what your place in this world, your interaction with people. It's really diving deep within yourself to figure out what you believe about things. And so let me give, give you just a little bit of context why I have just really been thinking about teaching philosophies lately. And it wasn't because I just decided to do it on my own. I was tasked to do it at the college. Um, so the college, the faculty senate has come up with a new um, rank and promotion system. So in education, oftentimes you're hired on at a certain wage and unlike the hospital, you don't get merit wages. Um, Everybody gets a percentage raise. So you could be one of those people that really, really do your job exceptionally well and you're going to get the same raise as those that maybe do the bare minimums to keep their job, okay? So education kind of is a different ball game. So one of the ways to have distinction in excellence is to, to have a rank and promotion system. So there are about 20 of us that have been um, asked if we wanted to participate in this system, and it's something that's new at the college. It comes with a change in title, a little bit of extra pay. And so part of that was having to um, write out your teaching philosophy, All right? So what do I believe about education? And so that didn't take me very much. You know, I'm a very opinionated woman. And if you ask me my opinion about something or my belief about something, I don't mind sharing it. So actually to come up with that philosophy wasn't very difficult. But the funny thing is, I realized that as I have matured over the years and and not only in age, but in understanding of things, my teaching philosophy has changed. When I started out teaching, I was in my mid-20s and I was so excited and passionate about teaching. I really believed that I could teach anybody anything. And it 
didn't take very long before I realized that that was a that was an inaccurate belief. You know, no matter how passionate it was, no matter how hard I've tried, I always I didn't always succeed in teaching everybody. And so that belief has changed over the years as I've matured and and I've I've realized it's not that I'm any less passionate about teaching because I, I love what I do at the college level. I love what I do online now. So I'm not any less in passionate, I'm just probably a little less naive. And I realize that for education to work, for learning to happen, it's a two-way street. You know, there's a part that an instructor has to do that they're responsible for, but there's also a part that the student is responsible for. So I want to tell you my my philosophy in teaching, I want to spend a little bit of time on that, and I'm going to tell you why this matters. Okay, so here is my statement. It's a real short statement. I am going to read it to you, but then I'm going to explain what it means, okay? So as an educator, I believe in the importance of creating a collaborative learning environment where the student and instructor work together to achieve educational goals. Okay, that's not earth shattering, right? I think every teacher believes that. But at the heart of this approach lies the educational contract. And this contract is in an agreement that sets clear expectations and responsibilities while encouraging accountabilities in both parties. So I believe as a teacher that when you enroll and get accepted into my respiratory care program, and you enter my classroom, we're entering a contract in which we both have responsibilities, and we are both accountable to each other. It is a contract. So I believe this, right? And I've always believed this, but I've never written it out. And so as as I'm writing my teaching philosophy, and I think, well, if I believe it's a contract, why don't I have a contract in my classroom? So I developed a contract for my classroom that actually I'm going to roll out on Wednesday. That's my first day that I actually teach. And so in thinking about this and writing this contract down and writing my philosophy into this contract, I'm looking at what my responsibilities are, and I realized that my responsibilities, the things that I have listed for my responsibilities are things that I think I do well. And so that was uh, glaringly obvious, and obviously it's stuff like putting out a syllabus so a person knows their clear expectations, right, ensuring class starts and stops on time, making engaging content, and I I do these things, I do it well, it's my responsibility, and I believe in doing a good job, Um, but it didn't have things that I know I don't do as well. Let me give you an example. I am in the classroom Um, And I guess in program management, I am a very direct person. I don't raise my voice. I don't yell. But I am very direct. I say what I mean. I don't allow there any room for guessing, you know. And and a lot of people don't, don't understand that when I come across as direct, I'm not mad. It's just how I am. But sometimes in the classroom, I can be so direct that... Well, the the word intimidating has been used a time or two, that I'm a very intimidating person. So I know that that is 
a weakness or, or an opportunity for improvement in the classroom. So I thought to myself, okay, that should be part of the educational contract, right? That should be part of the thing that I am responsible for. So when I roll this out in a couple of days in class, I actually have a contract that I'm going to ask the students to sign. And so as an instructor, here's what my students have the right to expect from me. So they have the right for me to foster a productive and respectful learning environment where the student feels valued, safe to express his or her perspectives and ask questions. Okay, I kind of stink at this sometimes, but when a student enters a contract with me now, this is what they have the right to expect. And if I don't deliver on this, they can also hold me accountable. Okay, I'm allowing the classroom to be opened up to where they say, listen, that came across a little harshly. Did you mean it to? Or maybe you shouldn't say it that strongly. It makes me feel this way. Okay. I don't want to make anybody feel that way, but I know I do sometimes. All right. So I'm leading with that because that's where I need to grow the most. My second thing that the students have the right to expect from me to be is to have a course syllabus that states objectives, student learning outcomes, evaluation methods, and policies that define my class. Well, I believe in the syllabus. Well, I don't know if the students read it, but that's what sets the rules for the course in the classroom. The third thing is that the students should expect me to deliver relevant and engaging content in cognitive, psychomotor, and effective domains of respiratory care practice. That means I need to teach a person the knowledge base. I need to assess them and teach them how to do something, the manual skills. And effective domains are the soft skills like professionalism and teamwork, okay? So my job is is to teach those things, to develop content. My job is also to make sure that class starts on time and ends on time. The students should expect that. The students should also expect that I create opportunities for them to apply, strengthen, and connect new information to prior knowledge and experience. I know that's a pretty short sentence, but man, that is the bulk of what I do. It is my responsibility in my classroom to create things that allows them to, to start making connections. I need to be timely on my grading. I need to be timely on my feedback. I need to be timely on um, any type of feedback, exams, competencies, assignments. I need to be available for the students to have discussions with me outside of class. And then I'm going to participate in what we're going to call weekly discussions. More on that in just a minute. But if you think about what I just said, I think every instructor in respiratory therapy school would agree that this is their responsibility. This is half of the student contract. The other half is the student's responsibility. Okay, now this is a contract. It is a business contract. This is how learning happens. Both parties have to bring something to the table. So in my contract that I'm going to roll out to the students, I've listed what they have the right to expect of me. But I've also listed what as an instructor, 
I have a right to expect from the students. Okay, so if you're a student in our T-School, I want you to listen to this, and I want you to think about, do you think this is true, and do you think that it's necessary for you to do these things to learn, to be able to graduate, to pass your credentialing exams? Okay, here it is. As an instructor, I have the right to expect the students to adhere to the attendance policy. You got to show up to learn. If you don't show up, that hampers the learning environment. I have a right to expect that they tell me about extenuating circumstances that impact their attendance. Okay? Sometimes students just disappear for a couple of days, and I have no idea what's going on. Well, sometimes I just make the assumption that they've just dropped the ball. You know, they're taking a couple mental health days. I need to know what's going on because maybe something has happened in their personal life that I need to account for or I need to offer them help and resources. But I only know that if the student communicates to me. So I should have the right to expect that type of communication. I expect the student's to be properly prepared for the content covered during the class session. I have the right for the student to come prepared to learn what I'm about to teach. And from a student's perspective, that means you have to do a little work into it. Okay? If you're coming in cold to the classroom and you don't have a clue what we're going to talk about that day, then you're already behind. Okay, so in our program, not only do we give a reading assignment, which I'm pretty sure some people have never cracked the book, we give them them our PowerPoints also that we lecture off of as a guide so they don't have to write everything down. So at the bare minimum, I really expect my students to have prepped with at least the PowerPoints. Um, I expect them to engage in the entire class period. Okay, we're probably going to have a different podcast on what is engagement. And engagement really isn't just setting up right in a chair being present. Okay, the more you immerse yourself and the more you engage in the content, the more you're going to learn. This one's a biggie. I have the right to expect the student to seek clarification or assistance when needed. Here's the deal, guys. As instructors... We don't know what you know and what you don't know. We know what we've taught. We know how we've taught it. We reflect on if we did a good or a bad job with it, for sure. But I don't know if the student picked it up or not. If somebody's not understanding, sometimes I have no clue that they're not understanding until they ask the question. But sometimes, and this is partially my fault, maybe I don't create that inclusive environment like I should, but I need somebody to tell me they don't understand so I can fix it. Okay, and if a student goes a month or two without understanding a very key concept, they've gone a month or two in content without understanding what we're talking about. That's a big educational gap. So I expect the students to tell me when they don't understand something so we can go back and do the work together together to make sure they're on the same page. I also expect the students to participate in any remediation or student success activities. We have a plan to identify when students are struggling, and we have a plan 
of how that's going to be fixed, but the student has to participate in it. And then I'm going to expect the students this semester to participate in these weekly reflective discussions. So in my classroom, what I'm going to have is a discussion board that I'll post to also. And we're going to reflect back on the week. What did we do good? What did we do bad? You know, where can we improve? And, and so I'm going to share. I'm going to share absolutely honestly with how I feel like I performed during the week or where my mindset was or what I could have done better or what I'm excited about. And I expect the students to engage with me that way. So we all know that we're, we're learning together and the, the process is a positive process. So I've got this educational contract, right? And so when I look at it as an instructor, this has also helped me to understand that it's not totally my responsibility. I, when, we, when a student starts in my program, I feel an obligation to make sure they're successful, to make sure they pass. I believe that that's my job. You know, that is collectively my team. That is our job to make sure the student graduates successfully. They can take their credentialing exams. They can function as a competent respiratory therapist. And that doesn't always happen. And I will tell you, for me, there's a lot of guilt that comes with that. There's a lot of doubt of did I really do as much as I could have done. But one of the things that I think the student contract has made, or the student instructor contract that I'm going to roll out allows me to see on a piece of paper that there's only so much I can do. Okay. If the student is not doing their part of this contract, if they're not coming prepared, if they're not studying, if they're not engaging, if they're not telling me when they have trouble, there's nothing I can do about that. There, there just isn't. I cannot control the student and the effort that is put into them being successful. So, the whole purpose of today's podcast was to think about this philosophy. I wanted to share with you my teaching philosophy. I want to share with you what I've embedded as my philosophy into this educational contract that I'm going to start presenting to my students. Here's what I want you to do. I would like you to spend, I don't know, five or ten minutes this week, and I want you to think about what is your learning philosophy? What do you truly believe about the learning process as it relates to both you and your instructor? And then the next question I'd like you to ask or answer is, to ask an answer to yourself is, does your philosophy match your instructor's philosophy? Do you know what your instructor's philosophy is? I mean, and, and you probably don't. I don't know that this is something that that um, we do all the time. Um, I've never written a, a teaching philosophy um, in the 25 years I've been teaching. So, But I do think in me sharing with my students when school starts this week, sharing them my teaching philosophy and my contract allows them to understand what I believe, where I'm coming from, and then to reflect on what their responsibility will be. And hopefully, if we can come to an understanding of our responsibilities in this contract, hopefully that means the students can take ownership of their education 
I can provide what's necessary for their success. And then we really have a, both, we have a genuine commitment to that learning process. But with a contract, we also have a way to hold each other accountable. All right, so think about your learning philosophy this next week. Um, we're also going to talk about next week probably um, engagement, what that means, and how you can be more engaged in your content. And then the week after, I think we're going to talk a little bit about passion. You know, I hear this a lot, people saying they have a passion for something what do they really mean when they say that? So more good stuff to come. Um, I'm hope, I hope you start out successfully this semester. I hope you're studying hard, achieving your goals, and I hope to see you next week. Talk to you soon.